When facing change, every parent has the same concern. What about my children? So it's only natural to wonder if kids will be included in the rapture. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah tackles this question with biblical insights and reassurance of God's love and care for little ones. From The Great Disappearance, here's David to introduce today's message, Will Children Be Raptured? Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to tackle one of the questions that comes up whenever this subject is broached, and that is, what happens to children when they die before they understand the gospel. I've had some very, very sad experiences dealing with parents and, and the loss of little ones, and uh, they they never go away. They stay in your mind for a long time. But what a wonderful thing it is to have truth from the Word of God to encourage parents at such a moment. So if you know somebody, or maybe you've experienced this, stay tuned as we talk about the children. The rapture could occur at any moment, even today. If it did, would you be ready? In The Great Disappearance, 31 Ways to Be Rapture Ready by Dr. David Jeremiah. He explains exactly what will happen before, at the moment of, and after the rapture. In 31 short, easy-to-read chapters, Dr. Jeremiah answers questions like, Who will be raptured? What will this great disappearance look like? What will happen to those left behind? Drawing from decades of biblical study, Dr. Jeremiah answers all these questions and many more, not with sensationalism, but with solid biblical truth. This is Motivational Prophecy, inspiring you to live boldly and expectantly in today's world. Request The Great Disappearance by Dr. Jeremiah, plus the Perhaps Today bookmark. When you give a gift of any amount in support of the Ministry of Turning Point, be rapture ready. Request The Great Disappearance book from Turning Point today. Well, let's get started as we answer the question, what about the children? As you know, we are in the beginning stages of talking about the ramifications of the rapture and what we should be expecting and how we can know that maybe we won't know the date, but perhaps we could be in the season. And everybody I talk to all across the country and here in this beautiful city tells me, that they all have this sense that something's up. Things are different than they've ever been, that we're in a place we've never been before, and a lot of people aren't sure what that all means, that I haven't come here to give you any dates. I don't have any dates to give you because I know that you're not allowed to do that. But I do think it's important for us to take some time and examine some of the aspects of this particular subject. Today, I'm going to ask this question and try to answer it. Will children be raptured? Ashley Irvin was slightly amused and slightly alarmed when her young son Wyatt asked her to pull down his Marvel themed duffel bag. He said, I've got a big trip tomorrow, Mom. I need that duffel bag. At first, Ashley thought her son was talking about church because all this took place on a Saturday night. But Wyatt had a bigger goal in mind, a higher destination. He told his mom, I'm going to go to heaven. In that moment, Ashley understood. Her husband, Tyler, had passed away almost two years before, and Wyatt was planning a trip to visit his dad. Asking no more questions, she handed the duffel bag to her son and allowed him to pack in private. 
Later, when Wyatt was asleep, she looked through the bag and found a wonderful assortment of supplies. First was a superhero mask and cape, then a whistle, then two baseball gloves and a ball, collection of foam darts, two wallets, one belonging to Wyatt and the other to his dad. Both were stuffed with family photos. Last of all, Ashley found a bottle of her husband's cologne tucked inside Wyatt's shoe. (laughs) I don't know if I've heard anything more touching than a boy packing his bag with two gloves, not one, to meet his father on a trip to heaven. But Wyatt's desire to see his father in heaven raises an interesting and important question in connection with the subject of this message. Namely, what will happen to young children on the day of the rapture? What will happen to those little ones who are too young to make a decision about eternity when eternity crashes into their world? Does the Bible offer any clarity for parents and grandparents, for all of us, any hope? What happens to children when they die is the key to understanding what happens to them should they be living on the earth when the rapture happens. Scripture gives us four solid reasons for believing that children who die and children who are living when the rapture occurs will go straight to heaven. Let me unpack this. First of all, it's based on the character of God. The Bible is full of information about the nature and character of God, his personality, his attributes. And scripture calls him father. That ought to give us a clue right there. He isn't simply a distant force in the universe. He is, as Jesus put it, our father who is in heaven. There's a tender passage describing his fathering love way back in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Here's what it says. Do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to the place. The Bible presents God as a God who is full of compassion and tenderness and mercy. He carries us through the tough patches like a father carries his son. This is a consistent theme, especially in the Psalms. For instance, Psalm 86:15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Psalm 145, verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. God is a good God. He is good to all, and that would certainly include children. He knows that little children cannot comprehend the truth of the gospel, and he loves them deeply. He loves the preborn and the newborn. He loves the infant and the toddler. There are some incidents in the Old Testament that help us wrap our minds around all of this. When the children of Israel were denied entrance into the promised land because of the unbelief of the people, the children were not held responsible and God allowed them to enter 
Here you see the principle of God applying his grace to those who cannot believe. Here you see God treating children in a unique manner. Here's what it says. Moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. Their parents couldn't go. Their older brothers and sisters couldn't go, but the little children could go because they had no knowledge of good and evil. They were not responsible for what had happened. One of the reasons that God gave to Jonah for having pity on Nineveh was the huge number of children who lived in the city who could not discern between the right hand and the left. Listen to Jonah 4.11. And should I not pity Nineveh? that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left. The word children appears more than 100 times in the Gospels alone. And the Bible teaches that God knows and loves children with special tender care. Our Heavenly Father in His justice provides for children who are not old enough to comprehend the Gospel. In fact, Ezekiel tells us that Almighty God considers all children as his own. Moreover, you took your sons and your daughters whom you bore to me, says the prophet. The character of God provides a special grace for those who cannot believe. On a number of occasions, God refers to these little ones as innocents. Jeremiah 2.34 says, Also on your skirts is found the blood of the lives of the poor, innocence. Jeremiah 19.4 says, and have filled this place with the blood of the innocents. Now, although they're sinful creatures, we know that everyone is born in sin. They are not responsible in the same way as those whose sins are willful and premeditated, and God understands the difference. The character of God lays the foundation for the realization that children who cannot understand the gospel are enveloped within the grace and mercy of our Lord. On them, God has a tender heart. On them, his compassion reigns. So the character of God gives us some insight into what happens to children at the rapture. Then there's another thought, and that's the condition of salvation. And let me ask you this question. What must a person do to be lost? They must refuse the free offer of God's saving grace. One writer expresses it this way, Little children have no record of unbelief or evil works. Therefore, there is no basis for their deserving an eternity apart from God. They are graciously and sovereignly saved by God as part of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Isaiah the prophet speaks about such a period in the innocence of the life of a child. Notice this verse, Isaiah 7:16. Before the child shall know to refuse evil and choose the good. In other words, there's a time before a child knows how to refuse evil and to choose good. And that special time is marked out in the scripture. In the Bible, infants, little children, and any others who cannot believe are neither told to believe nor expected to do so. They are not classified as wicked evildoers and rejectors of God's grace. It is always adults who are addressed that way, not children. And then, along with the character of God in the condition of salvation, 
is the compassion of the Lord Jesus. This is my favorite part of the whole story. When we read the stories of Jesus in the Gospels, we discover that our Lord had an incredible love for children. And he demonstrated that love on many occasions. He talked about them every time he had an opportunity. Whenever they were near him, he had something to say about it. One example is so important that it is recorded by three of the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Here is Matthew's version of it. Then little children were brought to Jesus that he might put his hand on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. We also have a wonderful passage in Matthew's gospel that is as definitive as any verse in the Bible on the eternal love that Jesus has for children. This is Matthew 18, 14, and this is what it says. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. There you have the strong, unambiguous statement of the Lord. He is not willing that one of these little ones should perish. If that is all that we had, I think we could build our hope on that alone. The Lord Jesus has compassion for little children and infants and is not willing that even one of them should perish. Perhaps this is a good place to answer this question concerning the unborn. What about babies that are never born because of miscarriages or abortions? Here we must be very clear. I believe, as do all who accept the authority of God's Word, that a child is a person from the moment of conception. Since that is true, all preborn babies who perish, whether through miscarriage, abortion, or tragic accidents, go straight to heaven. If you have had an abortion, I want to tell you that God knows how to pour His forgiveness and healing into your life through the merits of Jesus Christ. Abortion is not the unpardonable sin, even though some people seem to think so. God not only forgives you, but He goes way beyond that. Because of His mercy, that little one now lost will be waiting for you in heaven, and you will enjoy an eternity of loving fellowship with that precious child. Jesus loves you, and he loves every child from conception. In fact, he loves us from before time ever began. I cannot imagine that the same Savior who blessed little babies and said, of such is the kingdom of heaven, secretly intended to deny them heaven itself. Your little ones will be in heaven because they have not yet come to the place where they understand the gospel. So the character of God teaches that. The conditions of salvation teach that. The compassion of Jesus teaches that. But perhaps the greatest proof of what I'm telling you today is, is wrapped up in a story from the Old Testament about the child of David. I'm going to tell you the story, and I think you'll understand what I'm saying when we get to the end of it. There's an incident in the life of King David that is fundamental to the question we are answering. So... If you have your Bibles and you want to find this and go along, you can look at 2 Samuel chapter 12. This section of Scripture records the events that happened in the life of David immediately after he was confronted by the prophet Nathan. 
As you will remember, Nathan was appointed by God to confront David concerning his adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. Among other things, Nathan told David that the child that he and Bathsheba had brought into the world would be taken away in death. Let's pick up our reading of this passage in 2 Samuel 12, 14. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, this is Nathan talking, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. And Nathan departed to his house. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted, and he went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not even listen to us. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore he said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, went into the house of the Lord and worshiped, and went to his own house. And when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. And his servants said to him, What is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, and when the child died, you arose and ate food. And David said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. The last sentence in that passage is arguably the greatest sentence in the Bible on the subject of what happens to a child when they die or should the rapture occur. It was this thought of a reunion with his dead child which cheered David But where did he think this reunion would be? In the grave? In hell? In heaven? He believed that he himself would go to heaven after death, and consequently he meant to express the belief that his child had but gone on before him to that blessed place. The idea of meeting his child in the unconscious grave could not have rationally comforted him, and the thought of meeting him in hell could have not cheered his spirit. But the thought of meeting him in heaven had in itself the power of turning his weeping into joy. I cannot bring him back, he said, but I can go to where he is. David knew what I've been telling you throughout this message, that little ones die, and when they die or the rapture happens, before they understand the gospel, they go to heaven. So you say, well, you talk about the age of accountability. What is that age? I've had people actually ask me, is that eight or nine or is it seven? What is it, four? So what is that age? In our attempt to bring comfort to those who mourn, we must not deny the truth of God's word. No one really is truly innocent 
Jesus' statements about children being innocents does not mean that they are without sin. It means that they were not responsible for their sin. The Bible teaches that all of us are sinners. You know that. Psalm 51, 5 says, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Psalm 58, 3 says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. There are no exceptions. All of us are born with a sin nature. Even though we have not yet done anything wrong, our nature is sinful. Every baby needs a Savior just as every adult does. But at what age does a child become responsible for his relationship with God? Is there an age of accountability? Isaiah refers to such a time in the life of a child. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good. The important thing to remember here is that the Bible does not make any reference to an age of accountability. It's not there. But there is a time in the life of every child when they are able to understand God's love and when they comprehend what it means to be a sinner. For some children, that knowledge comes at a very early age. If you've grown up in a Christian home like I did, you are aware of that uh, very early. And I need to tell you that most children like me have had some pre-salvation experiences with salvation. I don't know how to explain it any other way. When I was a young child, my dad would preach and give an invitation. I went forward not because I knew I was lost. I just wanted to please my dad. <laughs> you know, you give an invitation, I'm going to come forward. And I probably did. I was baptized twice. And not because it didn't work the first time. I just didn't understand what was going on. You laugh at me because you know what I'm talking about. And many of you have been through that very same thing. But there comes a time when you really truly understand what the gospel is and what it means to be lost and what it means to be able to process in your mind what it means to be saved. For some children, that knowledge comes early. For others, it may take more time. The age of accountability is not a chronological measurement. It's a reckoning of spiritual understanding. Before you understand, the Bible protects you under the blood of Christ. So here's the other question that often comes in this setting, and that is, how old will children be in heaven? Hmm. There are differing views about that. Some people believe that when we're in heaven, we will all be mature in body, mind, and spirit. And the thought is this, if babies cannot fully enjoy this life, how could we expect them to fully enjoy eternal life with God? One proponent of this view argues that the book of Revelation describes worship in heaven as involving everyone. Therefore, whoever's in heaven will have to be of such an age to be able to participate in the eternal worship of God. Alistair McGrath supports this view. He says, as each person reaches their peak of perfection, here you go, which is the age of 30. Did you know that you're perfect when you're 30? <laughs> what does that say about you if you're twice 30? And some of you are almost three times 30. <laughs> Even if they have never lived to reach that age, the new Jerusalem will thus be populated by men and women as they would appear, says McGrath, at the age of 30, but with every blemish removed. We'll have more about this tomorrow uh, with part two. Uh, I want to mention to you that we're going to the Caribbean uh, at the end of this year. 
And this is a wonderful opportunity for you to bridge the gap between 23 and 24, thinking about what God has done for you in the past with gratitude and making some changes and goals for the new year. Uh, We'll be leaving uh, from Fort Lauderdale on the 27th of December and returning on the 7th of January, visiting some beautiful ports of call. Michael Sanchez, Uriel Vega, the Martins will be with us. You can come with us, too. Find out about it at davidjeremiah.org. There's a study guide for this series and a series of uh, CDs that you can get. I'd love for you to do that. I think this will be a very important uh, addition to your library. So get the study guide, get the CDs, and do your own study, lead your own group. And when you do that, you will be able to uh, see this truth begin to take over your life. That's my hope. And uh, please join us tomorrow for the next edition of Turning Point. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Great Disappearance, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new hardcover book, The Great Disappearance. 31 Ways to Be Rapture Ready, Informative and Inspiring. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Great Disappearance, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. When a California high school student collapsed during basketball practice, two coaches saved his life. They had been trained in emergency CPR and in the use of newly provided defibrillator machines, one of which was stationed in the gym. 
Thanks to their efforts, the boy's heart started beating and his life was saved. In that case, preparation and training made the difference. And preparation can also make the difference in the spiritual life. Preparation in spiritual warfare, in prayer, in biblical apologetics, in service and ministry, and in a knowledge of the scripture. All these can make the difference in the health of a spiritual life. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life and discover God's reasons to be prepared on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today. Today.